following message was recorded at River City Church. Grace be to you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. since I arrived in church and saw the smashed glass and the Lord has been speaking really about breaking something you know and Thomas shared there how when we first arrived we assumed really that somebody had come up and thrown a stone or, or broken the glass but in fact it's much more likely that the glass itself exploded and sometimes you know things break in our lives and we assume well that was the devil or something broke that but in fact sometimes things need to break there are things in our life that need to break. The other interesting thing this morning was Thomas has just read a scripture, which is actually my scripture for this morning. So turn in your Bibles to Ephesians 3. And there's a little slide that goes up there too, Pete, which actually will show a little picture, really, of uh, what the Lord is saying to us this morning. So this is Ephesians 3. We're going to read the same verses from verse 13. Paul's prayer for the Ephesians Therefore, he says, I ask you, this is in verse 13 of Ephesians 3, I ask you not to lose heart at my tribulations on your behalf, for they are your glory. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and earth derives this name, that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with power through his Spirit in the inner man, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, and that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and the length and the height and the depth and to know the love of Christ, which surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled up to all the fullness of God. So now forgive me if you've heard this story before, but it came back to me during the week about something that happened in our house years ago, and I really felt it was quite important to say it again. Years ago, we had a, a little plant actually in a pot little bit smaller than this pot and it was an aloe vera plant and those of you who know the plant know it's very good for cuts and burns because there's a gel in the leaf you can get out you know so we were quite proud of this plant it was growing quite well but it came to a point really where this plant stopped growing and uh, you know we thought well that's okay we'll, we'll feed it a bit more you know so we tried feeding it a bit more we tried moving it into the light a little bit more water a little bit less water we tried everything we fed it we moved it we fed it moved it we fed it and moved it Eventually, it was just looking worse. And so one day, I just picked it up. I said, I'm just going to throw it out. But I didn't want to throw away the pot. The pot was quite good. So I just pulled off the pot to throw away the plant. And when I looked at the plant out of the pot, it was quite amazing because I thought the pot was full of soil. There wasn't any soil left in the pot. The pot was full of root. It was just pure root. The root really had nowhere else to go. And so I really just felt the Lord say that this morning, that nothing planted can grow beyond the size of its roots. So no matter what we would have fed that plant, even if we fed that plant miracle grow, it couldn't grow any further because the pot was stopping the roots. Now the pot, when I mentioned pot this morning, I'm going to speak to you about a mindset, about a way of thinking. The Bible talks about an old wineskin and how the Lord is breaking that in our lives so that our roots go so deep, deeper than they've ever gone before. You know, oak trees can grow to be 100 feet tall. This is actually a picture of an oak tree. 
And uh, we've all seen oak trees, of course, but what we don't see is what's actually under the surface. And an oak tree, although it's 100 feet tall, the roots also go down that far. In other words, what you see in the, on the, on the, in the, in the open really is also under the ground. And in fact, that tree cannot grow beyond the length of its roots. So if you want a, if you want a 100 foot oak tree, you need 100 feet of roots. Praise God. That's very important. If the roots don't get that freedom or room or liberty to be established, you're never going to get the fruit that you could have got from the tree. Do you hear what the Spirit's saying? If the roots don't get liberty to be established in liberty, you're never going to get the fruit that you could have got from the tree. So those roots don't need to be contained. You can't grow a 100-foot oak tree in this. Can't do it. The roots don't need to be contained. They need to be established in liberty. And the same goes for a life. The roots of your life and my life, the Bible says quite clearly, is what we have believed, what we're believing. We've said that so many times. Proverbs 4.23, guard your heart, what you're believing, your roots, for out of it flows the issues of life. Issues is the Hebrew word for borders. You can't live beyond the borders of what you have believed. You are the person you are today because of exactly what you've believed, and you'll never live beyond the borders of what you have believed. So don't let anything hinder your believing. Don't let anything contain or shut down your heart, your believing, the length of your roots. Nothing planted can go beyond the size of the roots. So no matter how often we fed and watered and fed and watered that plant, it couldn't grow. Even miracle grow couldn't grow that plant. Now here's a remarkable thing, and you know this as well as I do. Even in Pentecostal churches, where we have witnessed the miraculous and seen the gifts of the Spirit for years, in meeting after meeting where we have been fed and moved, fed and moved, fed and really moved, yet many of us have never grown beyond a certain point. We have never grown as we should have grown into the fullness of God's life. Never grown out of self-life and into Christ's life. Never grown out of a slave mentality, which is, well, if I do this for him, then he'll give that to me. And into sonship, which is that all things are now mine in Christ Jesus. We've never grown out of walking in the flesh, which is totally sin and self and Satan focused, into walking in the spirit, which is focused on the truth of what Christ did. The principle, the law of the spirit of the life in Christ, which has set us free from the principle of the law of sin and death. That's Romans 8 2. That in Christ we died and our lives are now hidden with Christ and God. So just like no amount of water and no amount of sunshine could make that plant grow, no amount of preaching and no amount of prayer as such can grow a believer whose mind has never been renewed, whose roots have never broken through into the truth of Calvary, into what happened at the cross, where Jesus Christ made one sacrifice for all sins, for all time, and sat down. That you as a believer are no longer a mere man or a woman, separated from God by your sin. For that old creature was crucified with Christ and died at the cross and was buried so that you and I could say, as Paul is able to say, I am a new creature. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. I am a totally new creation. And we can say with him, the life I live now, I live by the faith of the Son of God. So what I want to show you from the scriptures this morning is just like a ceramic pot stops the roots from growing, so in your life, 
what you're believing, if it remains inside the old wineskin, the old mindset, the old part of I need to do something about my sins to get nearer to God, then the world will never see the blossoming in your life of the fullness of God, the life of Christ, because that pot is far too small to hold the life of God. A pot called self. Taking a leaf out of Eileen's book now. A pot called self is too small a pot to hold the abundance of the life of God. A life far beyond anything we have ever asked or imagined. And this is what God is doing. He's going to see his glory in the church. He's going to see the church rise up to be all it can be. Praise God. Free of the past. Free of unforgiveness. Free of fear. Free of life. Free of hatred. Blossoming. Praise God. Glowing. Just victorious. So all the world will see the church and see Christ Jesus and say, my goodness, he lives in his church. That's what he did. What he did at the cross was true. As Danny came up here, it's all true. God really did come 2,000 years ago. He did it all. He did it all. It's all true. The whole creation is groaning for the church to proclaim it as a done deal. That there's nothing left. That religion has been abolished. Praise God. Oh, how this nation needs to hear that message and is hearing that message. Praise God. So what I want to show you from Scripture this morning, oak trees can grow 100 feet tall, but the life of Christ is so great, it cannot blossom in a pot called self. Self is too small. And so we heard from that reading in Ephesians 3, several times Paul uses this phrase when he speaks to his church is about being rooted and grounded, rooted and grounded, rooted and grounded. And so if we look at that Scripture, we'll see that what he's saying is he's praying that their lives would be rooted and grounded in love but not a narrow, small, restricted love. Not the love of a man. Not the love which says, well, if you'll do this for me, then I'll do that for you. That's not the love of God. The love of God was stretches from the heights of heaven to the depth of hell. The love of God has got the length from eternity past to eternity future. That's the height and the breadth and the length of the love of God. Listen to those words again, Ephesians 3. Look at it from verse 17. I pray that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the sense what is the breadth and the length and the height and the depth, and so to know the love of Christ which surpasses knowledge, that you may... You see, there's a reason. There's a reason. He began this by saying, I know I'm in tribulation. Don't be put off with my tribulation. There's a reason. There's a reason why you need to be rooted and established in the enormity of God's love for you. And that reason is because there'll be days, the worst days of your life, where everything has gone wrong, where everybody's left you, where nothing appears to work, where there seems to be no evidence whatsoever in your life of the goodness of God, like Paul and Silas lying in that jail at midnight. And on that day, when there's no evidence at all of the goodness of God in your life, when you can point to nothing on that day, If you have been rooted and grounded in love, then no hurricane from hell is going to blow you over. You'll open your mouth and you'll say, thank you, Lord. Today is a good day. Because any day where I know that I have been saved completely and utterly by Jesus Christ is a good day. Irrespective of what happens around you. And so when the world sees that, when the world sees a light coming out of darkness, they'll say, my God, God is in the darkness. God has made his light to shine out of the darkness. The fullness of God is in you. Praise God. So why does he let us go through all these situations? He said, you'll have trouble in this life, but take heart, I have overcome the world, and so have you, because you are in me. 
So Paul, you see, he makes a direct link when he's speaking about being filled with the fullness of God. He makes a direct link between the knower seeing, receiving, believing the sheer size of God's love and the appearance of that love in their lives, what we call blossoming. We're speaking this morning about the blossoming of the fullness of God. The church is blossoming. The church is blossoming. I've been driving all the way through. Uh, we went down last weekend in Donegal with the young folk. Wasn't it beautiful? I mean, everything's blossoming. I, I keep, I've missed this for years, you know. For years in May, I was doing exams, whether it be secondary school, tourism, university, whatever. I was always doing exams. May was not a great month for me, but now I've been free from exams. The law's gone. Praise the Lord. And now I can look. May is a beautiful month, isn't it? May is one of the most beautiful months. Everything's blossoming. And you know, in the, in the heavenly realm, you're an eternal May. It's just beautiful. You're blossoming and blossoming and blossoming. Praise God. And that's what the Spirit of God is doing. So, Let's just talk about that for a moment. What does it look like to be filled with the fullness of God? Well, we know in Ephesians, of course, uh, it talks about it there. But also in Galatians, Paul gives a description of what it looks like to be filled with all the fullness of God. It looks like the fruit of the Holy Spirit blossoming in your life. Can you remember the fruit, the fruit of the Spirit? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. That's the blossoming in your life. Now, Paul, in that little phrase in Galatians, he contrasts the work of the flesh with the fruit of the Spirit. He says that under the old covenant, the old wineskin, the old mentality, the old pot that a person gets what you deserve, that mindset, do good and you'll get good, do bad and you'll get bad, that message appeals to the pride of man. Because, you see, it puts salvation in your hands. It says, yes, you could save yourself by doing better. But if you remain thinking like that, with your beliefs trapped in such a small pot called self, you will never see, and the world will never see, the fullness of God, the fullness of the righteousness of God in your life. Because that thinking limits righteousness to a pot called self. You know what you get growing out of a pot called self? Self-righteousness. <laughs> That's all the world will see. And you know why there's so little people in church? All they've seen for years is self-righteousness. Self-righteousness. God wanted your believing to be rooted and established in his love for you. But if you insist on planting your belief in your love for him, that's such a small pot that you won't grow an oak of righteousness. You'll grow a twig of self-righteousness. You know, I was writing that earlier in the week, and I remember the time where Valentine's Day, I went out once and I decided to get a present for Nicola. And I, and I looked at this pot in the supermarket, and it was a beautiful picture of a flower on the... So I grabbed that pot and I ran home. I thought, this would be beautiful, you know. When I got home, Hannah took one look at it and said, Dad, you bought Mum a twig? It's true, actually. It was a lovely picture of a flower, but what it was was a twig. I'd actually bought her a twig. So the message, you can save yourself by trying harder, that message of religion all over the world is just death. It just leads to death. You can't save yourself. If you look to yourself, you're looking to a dead end. In fact, Trying to say that working harder sets you free. Do you know that was the message put over the camp at Auschwitz? Anybody been to Auschwitz? Over the door, there was a famous sign which is still there in German. Arbeit macht frei. Work sets you free. That never set anybody free. That was always a death camp. That was always the end. That was always death. Religion brings death. Condemnation brings death. No life. That mindset can never produce the life of God, the fruit of the Spirit, because we see through the Old Testament and the New Testament, God's way of bringing life, God's way of bringing his fruit into our life is always the same. He plants a seed. He plants a seed. That's how he brings life. If you look at from Genesis right there through the Bible, first thing he said to Adam, don't worry about what you're going to eat. You know why? I fill the whole earth 
full of seed-bearing plants. And from the seed will come fruit. And that's how I'm going to feed you, from seed. So here's an easy question. If certain fruit only comes from certain seeds, for instance, how do you get an apple tree? You plant an apple seed. How do you get a pear tree? You plant a pear seed. So how can we get the fruit, really, the fruit of the Holy Spirit in anybody's life? How can you get his love, his joy, his peace? Not yours, not mine, his. How do you get his patience? How do you get his faithfulness? How do you get his self-control? Plant that seed. Plant that seed. Proclaim that message. Don't proclaim to people about their love for God. Tell them about his love for them. Plant that seed. Plant a different kind of love that the world has ever received. Tell them about the love of Christ because the life of Christ will appear in you to the extent that the life of Christ has been rooted and established in you. Nothing planted can grow beyond the size of its roots. So the old way to try and produce righteousness, the holy life of God, was to exhort men to try harder, command them to do better at being like God. But the gospel of Jesus Christ makes an astounding claim. It says that man cannot produce righteousness. Man can only bear righteousness if righteousness is planted in them. That's God's way, right way through the Bible. That's why he said to Nicodemus, Nicodemus says, well, how must I be born again? Jesus said, flesh only gives birth to flesh. The spirit gives birth to spirit. Don't be surprised when I say you must be born again. You must be born, birthed really, out of the spirit of God. The love that must planted in you must be the love of God and allowed to grow there, praise God. So now we see what Paul was saying when he preached this gospel. The gospel proclaims good news of what God has done, not merely good advice of what you should do for God. That message about his love, not yours, for this is love, not that you love God, but that he loved you and give a son an atoning sacrifice for your sins. That love, when you plant that love, you get what the word is looking for. You get the life of Christ growing in people. This is a very important question, you know. How do we get people to forgive each other? How do we get people to love and forgive each other? You know, the whole world's asking that question. This city now has become famous for these dissidents, you know. And so the, the, the response of the government and any worldly institution is always the same. We'll throw more money at it. If we give them more money, they'll be so busy making money that they'll forget about hating each other. That's not peace. Peace, really, is this forgiveness and the love of God established in a man's heart. That's the only peace that there is. To know, in fact, the love of God, not the love of man. How do you get that sort of peace? You've got to plant that seed. Proclaim the truth. Proclaim that God. Proclaim Christ and him crucified as the truth about the love of God and the nature of God. Proclaim that love. Plant a love so great, a love that forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases. And has done that for everybody in the whole world. Plant that seed and see what happens. No one in heaven lives in hate and unforgiveness. Do you want to see his kingdom come on the earth as is in heaven? Then proclaim a love that loved his enemies so much he laid down his life for them. Proclaim that sort of love. Proclaim to his enemies of his great love for them. You see, you only get the fruit of the seed you have planted. Plant a small-minded love. Plant a small-hearted love. Plant a love that holds back until a certain standard is reached, and that is the life you will produce in your hearers. You'll end up with two groups of people who are too small-minded to forgive each other and love each other until the other side comes up to a certain standard. You see, you plant religious seeds, you'll get religion. Where would we be today if that was the sort of love that God showed us? <laughs> Where would you and I be today if that was the sort of love that God showed us? That he decided to love us if we came up to a certain standard. 
None of us would be here today. This is how he demonstrated his love. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. If you keep planting religious seeds, you'll keep getting religion. Keep planting a narrow-minded love, you keep getting narrow-minded lives. Plant a love that loved you when you're unlovable. Plant a love that forgave you when you were unforgivable. Plant a love that give all for you without waiting to see your response and you will grow from such seed nothing short of the life of Christ. That's the gospel. Plant such a love in their hearts, nurture it, water it, and allow it room to be rooted and established. Put no limits on its growth. You can't grow a hundred foot oak tree from a pot that size. It's just as crazy to try and grow the life of Christ in believers by trying to plant the seed of the gospel, the proclamation of Christ as your life, within the confines of a narrow, small, obedience to commands mindset. Religion is too tiny a pot to grow much more than twigs. Oaks of righteousness can't grow in religious pots. The new wine cannot be contained in the old wineskin. Our life in the spirit, hidden with Christ and God, cannot be contained within the old wineskin of living as if our sins still separate us from God. Our new life of union with God, that revelation, that belief, must be rooted and established in our thinking for the fullness of God's life to blossom in our life. But to establish those roots, what restricts those roots must be taken away. To establish roots like that, what restricts those roots must be taken away. Old covenant, law-based thinking cannot be allowed to remain our pot, our mindset. That's why Hebrews 10 says he takes away the first in order to establish the second. By this will we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all. So just like no amount of water or no amount of light or no amount of moving ever changed that plant, so, no amount of preaching or prayer can grow a believer into the fullness of God whose mind has never been renewed, whose believing has never broken through into the truth of what happened at the cross, that we have been sanctified through the body of Christ once and for all. God wants our roots, our believing, to be planted and rooted and established in the truth that because as believers our old self-life, you and I living apart from God, dead to God, what Paul called the ego, because the ego died, we are now a totally new creation. And, and God is just trying to let that be rooted and established in our life. And he's removing every barrier that tries to hem that in and tries to restrict that root because that root is such a powerful root. We no longer have a self-life. You don't have a self-life. Your self-life died on the cross. That's why the law does not relate to us. We're dead to the law because the law relates to self the law produces self-righteousness. See, the law cannot relate to us because the self is dead. I see lots of programs on the television, and uh, you can get lots of advertisements that say that, uh, you know what, you could, uh, you, could, you could get married if you only you made more money. Uh, you could marry a beautiful woman if only you tidied yourself up better, looked a bit better, you know. All that really is, is dead. I'm dead to all that because I already married. My old single life is dead, so I don't relate to that sort of commands. Because that's gone. My life is gone. I'm married. I'm, I'm there. I'm content. Praise God. So that does not relate to me. In the same way, the law, which speaks to the man separated from God, does not relate to us. Praise God. That's what the scripture says. You will begin to comprehend with all the saints words the breadth and the length and the height and the depth and to know the love of Christ, which surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. 
You see, so the gospel really hasn't changed since the time of Paul. There is no new gospel. It's just the same old religious objections that surely the gospel you preach must be wrong because you seem to be saying that we've been released from the law. I'm not saying that. I'm saying the Holy Spirit's saying that. It's just that most of them in the church struggle to see ourselves as released from the law. You know why? Because we struggle to see that the self died. As long as you struggle to see that the self died, you'll struggle to see why you're released from the law. If you don't believe me, don't listen to me. Listen to Paul. This is Romans 7. Do you not know, brothers and sisters, and I'm speaking to those who should know the law, the law has authority over someone as long as that person lives. For example, by law, a married woman is bound to her husband as long as he's alive. But if her husband dies, she's released from the law that binds her to him. So then if she has sexual relations with another man while her husband is still alive, she's called an adulteress. But if her husband dies, she's released from that law. She's not an adulteress if she marries another man. So, my brothers and sisters in River City Church, you also died to the law through the body of Christ that you might belong to another, to him who was raised from the dead, in order that we might bear fruit for God. For when we were in the realm of the flesh, the sinful passions aroused by the law were at work on us so that we bore fruit for death. But now by dying to what once bound us, we have been released from the law so that we serve in the new way of the Spirit, not in the old way of the written code. What is it to serve in the new way of the Spirit? It's to see. To see what the Spirit sees. As believers, you know, many of us have never fully understood this. We were baptized. I was baptized here June the 6th. Uh, 1993, Dunk Day. Went into the tank the same day as Kieran. You know? And I have to say, I didn't fully understand. It doesn't matter. People sometimes come to me and say, can I be baptized again? I didn't fully understand. I say, no. You might not have fully understood, but God understood. And don't worry, you will continue to grow in your understanding till the day you go to be with him. And I thank God for a growing and an understanding of what it means that on that day, you were buried because something had to die. See, when something is dead, it's buried. What was buried at your baptism? It was the old self-life. That's what had to be buried. But we don't have a full revelation of that. So to get a full revelation that your self is gone, then only then can you have a full revelation of why the law doesn't relate to you. We have all a great desire to bear fruit. We know this, of course. Uh, we desire to bear that, the fullness of God. But all the scripture is saying is that you can't bear that life in a small pot called self. That has to be allowed to reckon yourself dead. If you will not reckon yourself dead, you'll continue to relate to the law. Just as the prodigal son, Jesus said, came to himself just before he got up and went home. He had a revelation that self and all the pride of self had to die or he would. Praise God. So for a man or woman to be saved, they have to have a revelation that self isn't the answer. Self is the problem. So too for a believer to grow up into this new life, into Christ, we have to continue to see that self isn't the answer. There's no point in digging up the old self from where Christ buried him so we can preach the law at him in the hope that the preaching of the law will make a bad self into a better self or even a bad Christian into a better Christian. Ironically, that thinking totally underestimates both sin and Christ. Religion totally underestimates both the depths of man's separation from God and the heights of the believer's union with God. Religion says you're bad and you need to be good. So you need the law, for the law makes bad men good. The gospel says your problem is much worse than that. God didn't come to make bad men good. He came to make dead men alive. God's word never tells us to present ourselves to God as 
good from the bad, but present ourselves to God as alive from the dead. We were cut off from God, so cut off from life as God knows life. And Christ entered into our death, our separation, and he brought his life, not by standing back from us with a law in his hand as Moses did, but grace and truth came. He entered into our lives. He gave us his very presence, and his very presence is our righteousness. Can anybody say amen to that? Now, this is a revelation. And when this revelation comes, it cracks that pot. He's given us his righteousness. His very righteousness. Paul said, if you don't get that, I can't speak to you of other things because you're like babies. But when you understand that he gave us his very life, that Christ is our righteousness, our very life, then you'll see that to put the law on believers is to put the law on Christ. And no one knew that better than Paul the Apostle, for he's the very man who went to put the law on Christians in Damascus and was met on the road by Jesus Christ himself who said, you will not do that. Because what you do to them, you do to me. You want to persecute them, you're persecuting me. You want to put the law on them, condemn them, you're putting the law on me. As Jesus himself said that. And so too to every misguided Christian preacher who's trying to use the law to make bad Christians good, Christ can still say, Saul, Saul, why are you judging me? Now I know we struggle to see this. But all of heaven and hell saw the Father's judgment on his church. When? At the resurrection. That's what the scripture says. At the resurrection, when every believer was raised with Christ, unless you can't see that you have been raised with Christ. Let me give you the literal Greek of Romans 4.25. It speaks about what happened at the resurrection. It says, of our Christ was delivered up because of our offenses and was raised up because of our being declared righteous, our justification. So not only have for many years many of us tolerated a little law with our gospel because we underestimated the depths of separation, but also because we've totally underestimated the heights of our union with Christ. We have struggled to see what Paul declared to the Ephesians, that even when we were dead in our transgressions, he made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. And he raised us up with him, and he seated us with him in the heavenly realms. So now you resurrected and ascended believer don't have to live as someone who needs the law to get you a little closer to God because you resurrected and ascended believer are now hidden with Christ in God if you can see that now I'm finishing because I want to talk about what stops us from seeing that you see if you can't see that just keep keep setting your eyes on things above that's why we preach this gospel because it removes blindness from the church the church has been blinded to what Christ's done. That's what the work of the enemy is. All he has to do is blind people to what Christ has already done. And so that's what the law does. All the law will do on believers is to treat them as if they're separate from God. And so in their minds, it will estrange them from Christ and from his presence, from the very life that is their righteousness. So the law doesn't rob believers of their salvation. It robs them of their sight. Because the law can only speak to believers in one way as if you're mere men. Your vision in the Spirit, your ability by the Spirit to see what Christ has done and to walk in it is so important that Paul rose up like a lion when he heard that somebody had gone into the Galatian church and was now giving a little bit of advice about how they could be better Christians by bringing back the law. He rose up like a lion. Some of the things he said, 
See, it doesn't seem much harm to those good Christians. They were good, sincere Christians who said that. I won't do any harm, you know. We bit a holiday here. We just don't avoid that sort of food there. Get circumcised. It won't do you any harm. Listen to what Paul said. Mark my words. I, Paul, tell you, if you let yourselves go down that road, if you let yourselves be circumcised, if you bring that back into the church, Christ will be of no value to you at all. Again, I declare to every man who lets himself be circumcised, he's obligated to obey the whole law. You who are trying to be justified by the law have been alienated from Christ. You have fallen from grace. Now, you might be quite a mild-mannered person, but if you heard that your children at school, somebody was putting something in their food that was making them blind, and if it kept happening, they'd eventually go blind, you would not be mild-mannered anymore. You'd rise up. And that's what the Spirit of God is doing in His church. He's rising up to say, get that poison out of my church. I remember one time years ago, Nicola was at home one day, and she got a phone call from the school. And Hannah was at school, and she had her mobile phone on her. I don't know what age she was, maybe 13 or 14. And uh, she had just witnessed something. She'd just seen Peter being hit in the head by a stone, and he was bleeding from the head. So immediately she, she rang home. Well, Nicola jumped into her car, and she went straight to the school. She went straight into reception, wrapped reception. She said, my son has been hit in the head by a stone. And the woman behind the desk said, well, how do you know that? And, and Nicola said, well, my daughter, she just rang me. And instead of bringing Nicola to see her son, you know what the woman did? She tried to give Nicola a lecture on why pupils aren't allowed to use their mobile phones in school. You know what happens if you get between a mother and her children, her injured children? Don't you get between God and his church? Let me finish by saying this. Nothing planted can go or grow beyond the size of its roots. And that's the same in our lives. And that's why we don't include the law in the gospel, because it strengthens the self-life, the very pot that's hindering your roots. Rather, we preach the only message that sets men free from themselves, the message that declares that what the law was part us to do, Christ did. He buried ourselves, and he raised us up as one body, and him the head. And the proclamation of that gospel opens the eyes of the church. It sets us free from self that we may be filled with all the fullness of God. This happens in different ways. Some people, they just get a, like a road to Damascus experience. Sometimes it just happens very quick. It didn't happen that way with me. It happened slowly, gradually. People said a little scripture, 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 scripture. Sometimes roots, I remember you, Ali, you wrote a song about this. You saw some streets in Belfast where the roots of a tree had broken through concrete. The roots were so strong. And as you're growing, as you keep putting your message, your mind, your believing into God's love for you, the good news, rather than your love for God, good advice, then you'll find that you'll break through. It'll break. Cracks will appear. Cracks will appear in that pot, that self, and that'll break through. Other people, it comes like a, a hammer. God's word, he said to the prophet Jeremiah, my word is like a hammer that smashes a rock to pieces. Some people have that sort of experience. Oh my goodness, they change overnight. Thank God, that's great. Doesn't mean that'll be like that for you, you know. But I find, if you just keep preaching the gospel, people's eyes open. It's a beautiful thing. Can't be something shared on a Sunday morning. Can't just be somebody being marked 
by a beautiful word or something. But some things happen. And you might think that the things in your life been holding you back for years and years are very strong and you'll never break through. But I prophesy over you, there'll be a day when it just breaks open. It just breaks open. You just keep hearing this beautiful message. Self will just break wide open. And you rest of God. It won't have to be a massive guy hammering, hammering the gospel. It might just be a little verse, just something very small that was just said to you. Something very small. Or maybe something a bit bigger. But that's what's going to happen. <laughs> 